Okay, so I have a word today that I literally just I wrote down. I got it for you. And, um, and this morning, first service, the first time I was able to actually work it out. So pray with me, praise God, but it's going to come out in the name of Jesus. And I felt that God's people had really been under um, this, this almost this, um, like this uh, hardship of disappointment that people have felt very disappointed with what's going on in their, li- their personal lives, things that are maybe going on in their businesses, maybe other families. And I want to deal with that aspect this morning. How many remember David, King David in the Bible? Now, King David was an incredible, thank you, praise God, for that one hand clap. Hallelujah. Uh, we are so um, uh, so used to seeing seeing, uh, seeing things about David that maybe aren't correct and aren't right. King David was an, a mighty man of God, did incredible things, but in fact, he was um, he was not perfect. He was a human being. He made mistakes. I mean, he made big mistakes, and let's just call them what they are. He actually sinned many times, and it caused a lot of problems in his kingdom. He did some amazing things. But isn't it interesting that most people don't remember what good you do, but have chapter and verse on the wrong you do? Come on, somebody. Let me make this statement. It doesn't really matter what you go through. It matters how you go through it and if you go through it or not. Some of us need to make up our mind that no matter what comes our way, no matter how it turns out, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I know that I'm on the process. I receive a promise to get my, my, my process, but I know that I know that God will be there with me and his rod and staff, they'll comfort me and he'll prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Somebody say amen. So the fact of the matter is, I got to get through to get to the other side to get to my promise, to get to my promotion. Now I want us to look at Sam, 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 15. Then Nathan departed to his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and it became ill. Now, I'm going to tell you why. I'll give the backstory in just a moment. David therefore pleaded with God for the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. In other words, he's all in. He wants God to do something. He wants God to move. He wants to see God do what he wants to see God do. So the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. Then on the seventh day it came to pass that the child died, and the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they they said, indeed, while the child was alive, we spoke to him, and he would not heed our voice. How can we tell him that the child is dead? He may do some harm. They were afraid for their own lives. When David saw that his servants were whispering, David perceived, everybody say perceive. He perceived that the child was dead. Therefore, David said to his servants, is this the child dead? And they said, he is dead. So David arose. Everybody say, get up. Turn to your neighbor and say, get up. David arose, David got up from the ground, washed, anointed himself, changed his clothes, and he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Then he went to his own house, and when he, when he requested, they set food before him 
and he ate. Father, we give you the praise and the glory. We thank you, Lord God, that you're moving by your spirit in this place, Lord God, that the right people at the right time are in the right place to hear a right now word, Lord God. We thank you you stirred the atmosphere with our, the worship and praise, and you are present where two or more gather together in your name. You promised to be in the midst of us, and you're here right now. Now, Lord God, we thank you that you're going to anoint this time of your word, Lord God. May it go forth, Lord God, and do what it's sent to do, Lord God. It will not return void and will not walk out of this place the same way we came in. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Now David makes a decision that leads him to his greatest dilemma. Because if you make wrong decisions, they can lead you to bad dilemmas. The fact of the matter is, the backstory of this is that David's the king, and David's a time of war, and David's a warrior. He is a, he's a psalmist. He's a, he's a worshiper at heart, but he's also a man of war, and he's excellent at it. He's skillful at it, and he's always the one, the, the lead general, the five-star general that leads the troops out into battle. And so uh, he, he would normally do that, but in this time, he sent his own generals out and said, I'm going to stay back. And the Bible said something was wrong with that. And while they were out there fighting for the kingdom, he looked down one day, maybe having his breakfast or walking his little walk in his constitution, you know, uh, across the balcony of his beautiful palace. And he looks down and he sees a woman who's bathing on top of, on, on a rooftop. And it's not just any woman because it can't just be anybody who's going to be a neighbor to the king. It had to be somebody special. In fact, it was one of his lead generals that lived right next door by the name of Uriah. And it was Bathsheba that was taking a bath on top of that rooftop. I don't know if that was what she normally he did. I'm not sure what that was all about, but I know one thing. The king did something he shouldn't have done. He laid eyes upon her, and he decided he wanted to have sex with her. Can we talk about it today? And so he sends for her. They have sex together. Don't know how many times. The Bible doesn't say that, but she becomes pregnant. And when she tells him that she is pregnant, he then begins to, he begins to connive and take control of the matter and tries to fix it by the might of his hand. You know, when we get into trouble, the last thing we should do is try to figure out how we can fix it. The first thing we should do is go to God. And if we're in sin, the first thing we should do is repent. Come on, somebody. And get it under the blood because this guy won't hold it against you. He'll help you and show you, give you wisdom how to get out of the situation. And so now then, now then, he, he, he is now trying to figure out what to do. And so what he decides to do is, I know what I'll do. I'll have my general Uriah come back home. I'll send for him for leave. He'll spend time with his wife. And as husbands and wives do, he'll have sex with his wife. And we'll just say it's his baby. And we'll kind of wash our hands of it. How many knows you can try to manipulate other people. You can try to be sly and lie and get around the issues. But Almighty God knows the truth. Might as well just come clean. So, so, so he does that. And Uriah says, thank you, sir. And he said, now spend some time with your wife. He says, thank you, sir. And so David thinks it's over, has a good night's sleep, wakes up in the morning, goes for a walk out of his gate of his kingdom. And when he pulls the door open, who comes in? Uriah. He had fallen asleep at the door and his body fell in. And he wakes up and says, oh, I'm sorry, sir. He said, what are you doing at my doorstep? He said, sir, how can I sleep and rest? And how can I lay with my, my beautiful wife when my men are on the front line? giving their lives for you, sire, and for the kingdom. He said, at least I can guard your door. 
And David takes a big gulp of air and says, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And then he begins to say, the last thing I can do. He told him, put this man on the front line. Put him in the heat of the battle. Not that he didn't tell them this, but he knew that if he was in the heat of the battle, he would be killed and he could take Bathsheba as his wife. That's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. And so now he's got a problem. Now he's got a, he thinks he's got it hidden. But God knows what's up. And God says, Samuel, by and says, what is it that you have done? That you take a man's wife. And he reads his mail. And he says, because of this, there will be a curse upon the baby that is to be born. And when the baby came out, something was going wrong with the baby. The baby was ill. It wasn't God's fault. It was the curse of the sin. He was the king, in fact. And so now he's, this child's sick. And now we have David that's saying, God, I need you to do what I need you to do. He's trying to get God to do bow down or to bend his arm and say, come on, do it for my son. Do it for me. I've done, the great, I've done great things too. But he's not dealing with the issue at hand. But he's fasting and he's praying. He's real spiritual about it. He's real religious about it. And he gets on the floor and he's writhing. He's saying, oh, God, I need a miracle. Oh, God, I need a miracle. He's trying to get God to change his mind. And the one thing we find out about David is something that I can relate to, and that is David is intense. David is an extremist. David does, when he does something, he goes all the way with it. How many of you can relate with that kind of a personality? They're not the easiest per- people to get along with, but the thing about those kind of people is typically they become successful people because, you know, you have to be able to focus on what you're actually after. And extreme people, intense people can get focused. So David's used to getting what he wants. Am I preaching too fast for y'all? He's used to getting what he wants. He's trying to give, get God to give him what he wants. Not asking God what his will is, asking what he wants. Let me also add to this. Yes, he's normally used to get what he wants, and he's extreme, and extreme people can be successful. But also I want to say this. Your strength can become your weakness. And what works for you one time may work against you the next time. How many ever heard the enemy is in a me? Sometimes the enemy in a me is my worst enemy. Sometimes I work against myself. So David, his extremism is now working on trying to fix what he's broken. Let me just say, faith is, di- is like a directional weapon. And sometimes we direct our faith on things that God is not in. We want to say, Lord, I believe that you can do this, but God said, but I'm not in that. Ma'am, I know you think he's fine. But you shouldn't be praying, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I ask that you make that man my mate. That's spiritual witchcraft. What has God said? I ask God, he's going to make me wear that one over there. I don't want that one over there. I want this one right here. Some of you men don't ask either because you're afraid to death is going to be something you don't like. God knows the desire of your heart. And God will give you exactly what you like. Both physical, spiritual, and mental. Come on, somebody. I feel like preaching now. Come on. But the problem is, when's the last time you asked God, Lord, what is it you want me to have? What's your will for my life? So we're directing our faith in things that God says, I'm not even in that. 
And one guy one time asked me, he said, he didn't have a job. He said, he said, uh, he said but I got a little money together. He said, Pastor, would you pray for me? I said, why? He said, because I'm going to play the lottery. And it's up to like $300 million. And I just know God's going to give me the numbers. And if you'll pray with me and mingle your faith with my faith, I'll play this and I'm going to win three. I'm thinking, Joker, if you, if you got faith for that, why don't you get faith to get yourself a job? Come on, somebody. And by the way, let me just say this too. A lot of people think because they get the lottery, they're going to give to God. But I've learned something. If you don't give a dollar off your $10 to God, you won't give a million off the $10 million you got out of the lottery. And when you, I'm not, look, if you want to gamble, that's your business. I'm not saying it's a sin. To you it might be, I don't know. You have to ask God about that. I don't do it because I, it's gambling. I might lose my money. Probably the reason why, look at, you look at Potawatomi. It's a nice place. It's a big place. They ain't paying for that place because people lose. Or win, rather, because they lose. Am I right about it? So my point is this. My point is this. If God gives you a word from him, no matter what it looks like, no matter how it turns out, and you say all these circumstances around me, and you say all I know is if God said it, God will give it to me, and I will get the victory no matter how it looks. Somebody else shout about that. faith for the lottery. Come on. That's gambling. Why don't we do what God says and give our tithe and our offering in the house of God? Don't you get quiet on me because they will know you don't give. But the truth of the matter is, he said do that. He said that's gambling. This over here, the kingdom, that's investment. We're talking about souls. We're talking about people's lives here. Can I tell you that sometimes we get extreme and focus on the things that matter the most to us. That's what David's doing. Things that we hate about our past. Things we wish we could change about our past. And we don't want to see those things show up in our present. I was telling the first service this morning that there are historians that espouse or they believe that David was an illegitimate son to Jesse. And that's the reason why when Samuel came and God said, go to Jesse's house and there you'll find my new king over Israel. And take your horn of oil and pour it over him and announce him to be the king. And he said, they were saying that's the reason why Jesse sent for all his sons and all his boys and brought them into the house. But one, and by the name of David, and left him out there because he could have been an illegitimate son. He might not have been his son. Could have been a stepfather. We don't know. We have no idea. But could it be that David said, I don't want another illegitimacy in my life. I don't want another son that's not legitimate. I want God to do what God can do. What makes you most upset? Think about this. What makes you most upset about your children? What makes you be the most upset about my kids when they were growing up in particular is when I see me in them. And I see the things I shoulda, coulda, woulda changed, but I didn't change, and now I see that behavior in their life. And when I see it, it frustrates me or it angers me because we don't want our past to be brought into our now. Listen, church, that's why you get angry at this husband because he reminds you of that husband. 
You get angry with this neighbor because he reminds you of that neighbor. I wish you could get somebody preaching here today with me. You get angry at this pastor because really you're angry at that pastor. Come on, church. Everybody say this. I need to leave my yesterday behind. It's time for a new day and a new assignment. Now give the Lord a shout of praise in the house. Hallelujah. I'm hot. Is this good preaching or what? It's a good word. So now David's staff, the people he's hired, they're in the corner. He's on the floor. They're on the corner. They're whispering to one another. David knows it's news about the child. The Bible says that David perceived that the child was dead. Perception and faith walk hand in hand because if you can conceive it, you can receive it. Say it again. Can I say that one more time? Because if you can conceive it, you can receive it. He perceived that the child was dead. God help us to know when things are dead. God help us to know when he has finally shut the door. And if God has closed the door, then why do we decide to put so much energy in things that he says it's over? Why do you keep going with that same relationship in your life and you know it's not going anywhere? It didn't go anywhere five years ago and it's not going anywhere now. We think somehow we've got resurrection power. If it's dead, only God can bring it back to life. You can't bring it back to life. And if God doesn't bring it back to life, it's time for you not to open the door, but keep the door shut. Come on, church. Why are we lamenting over things that God says it's over? How about that job? Why lament over it? If, God, if that door's shut, God's got something new and better for you. Even ministries uh, that, I'm not going to go into detail about that, but I hear about it all the time. Ministries, if they're not producing fruit, why in the world do we continue year after year when God says, keep the doors shut? It's over. You're not over. It's over. Not you. Some of you are trying to fix what you ought to forsake. I don't know about you, but I hate wasting my time. I mean, I hate it. If anybody's going to waste my time, it's going to be me. Right? Hey, I, my, I don't even go back home for some. If we leave the house and we're just one mile away from the house, and my wife says, we, we left such as a, I don't care. But we need it for where we're going. We'll buy another one. I'm not going back. I hate it. Going back. Jesus said, if you're going to be fit for the kingdom, put your hand to the plow and don't look back. I'm not sure that applies to me going back to my house, but the, you get the point. <laughs> you get the point, right? 
I don't want to waste my time. Why do I waste my time on things that God's not in? If we want to be successful, we got to do it God's way. So they said, yes, king, the child is dead. In other words, the door has been closed. You know, we always get excited when the doors open, don't we? But sometimes I think we should be shouting when the door starts to close. Because it's only when the door closes that we know God is getting ready to open a brand new one. And I declare in this house, it's a new season. It's a new day. Don't make me sing the song, y'all. And I got a fresh anointing coming my way. A season of power and authority. Prosperity and authority. It's a new season coming to me. So I might have to have a door or two that shuts on me. But I learned something that the, Jesus taught me a principle. That if he's, when God's about ready to promote you, he doesn't do it on the sidelines somewhere where no one sees it. When God gets ready to promote you and reward you, he does it so everybody, including your enemies, have got to... He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, when you pray, shut your door. When you pray, shut your door. And God does his best work behind closed doors. And the Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Openly. I'm glad I got up at 3 o'clock this morning. Amen. So if God shuts a door, he's getting ready to open one. I said when God shuts a door, it's not, it's like, the, it's like, every, hey, you guys ever watch Netflix? You ever watch Netflix? And they, and you get that show, and there's, there's the show, well, my wife just finished one, what's it called, honey? It's called Designated Survivor. You ever seen it with Kiefer? And that thing, you watch that thing, and, 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 and here's what we always say. Just one more. I got time for just one more. Eight hours later, just one. Because they put them cliffhangers, and they're amazing. You go, oh, my God, I have to watch the next one. Am I right? That's the Lord in our lives. If I, can, if I could just boil it down, it's when, when God shuts the door or, or if he says it's the end of the chapter, it doesn't mean it's the end of the book. He gives you a cliffhanger. He gives you, oh, come on. Now, you ain't done yet. It's over. You're not over. It's over. Not you. It was good then. If God shut the door, he gets ready to open a new one. It was good then that they left you. It was good then that they overlooked you. It was good then that they didn't hire you. Everybody say, it was good. My wife and I, Way, way long time ago, 1997, we launched out of our church in Beloit, and we decided to start a church in Madison, Wisconsin, and we got approved, and we were church, the church there was behind us and, and, um, and supported us in prayer. And, and so we did it the right way with the proper channels. Felt God was leading us there. We get to Madison, long story short, most of you know the story, but the truth is that some don't. And we started this church. We are so excited, so happy, young, ready to take on the world, Doing, we just read it, and everything I had done to that point worked. 
It just, I'm not bragging. It just, it worked. And then um, we get there, and it's like, you know, it's like I just can't find my rhythm. I can't find the rhythm. And, I, and we're, we're, we're preaching, we're, we're teaching, we're, we're building, we're, we're, we're raising up the leadership. We're, we're, you know, and we, we get a handful of people. And finally, out of two school buildings, we, we said, well, let's get across town. It's a better location, and we're on the belt line. This is about a, a year and a half into it, and so a year into it. And we get a, a little building. We about 45 people, and, and we grew a little bit. and We had maybe 25 people or something like that. And, and But, you know, it was interesting to me because it's like I, you just know when God's in something when he's not. And he, he wasn't. His hand just wasn't on it. And I was so mad at him, so upset. Because I felt embarrassed. I felt like, you know, I would have never left my cushy little job. where Everybody loved me. And I was doing really well in life. And I, 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 I was happy there. And it was actually my inheritance, my father's church. One day I could take that over. And, and for you, to, I feel like you call me out here for, I can fail? Well, why would you do that to me? And it was a very difficult, difficult season in, in our lives. And, and so I took it very personal with the Lord. And... Um, and so my point to you is this, is that, and I'll never forget, we had an incredible day, and we had visitors show up, and I'd already made up my mind that I was going to leave Madison. Long story short, God supernaturally called us to Milwaukee. I never thought about you all. I didn't think about Milwaukee. I knew there was a zoo, and, and there's cheese and beer. I knew about that stuff and baseball. That's all I knew was here. I didn't know much anything about Milwaukee. He called me. I heard him. He told me, this is where you belong. Get from here and go there. That's what I want for you. And we decided to shut the church down, and that Sunday, the church was packed. A packed was 45 people, but we were packed, praise God. And you know, I believe that had I heard God's voice, I would have been tempted to stay right where I was because, after all, I'm getting what Jeff wants. Not what God wants, but what Jeff wants. And God called us to this place. You know, many times you'll know a pattern with God that's getting ready to transition you because it'll feel like there's a failure going on in your life. And when you feel like a failure, you're not a failure. It's God moving you. He's making you uncomfortable. He's drying up your resources. He's saying it's time to go. It's time to go. Amen. So the child dies. David, obviously, I'm closing now. Obviously, he was greatly disappointed. I will say this. You've heard it before. Disappointment is not a missed appointment. Let me just say, the bridge between destiny and disappointment is in your next decision. So we must make it well. Why? This is what I want to ask you. Why make a decision to knock on the door that God has closed? So after the child dies, David doesn't freak out. I got to go fast. He doesn't freak out. The Bible says he goes and he washes himself, washes his face, puts on aloes. He changes his garments, puts on new. In other words, you can't bring the past. He was in sackcloth and ashes, represents death. And you cannot bring that 
with you into your future. Something has to change. So if you want change, something about you has to change. The Bible says that once David heard the news of his son's death, that he arose off the ground. In other words, even though David was crushed and disappointed, he went ahead and got up anyway. Touch your neighbor and say, go ahead and get up anyway. Come on. I think I'm talking to a people here this morning that may have been disappointed, but they're still going to give God some praise and get up anyway. David got up. David went to the tabernacle after he cleaned himself and put on a new garment of praise, went into the temple and began to worship his God and praise. He had pain in his heart, but he knew his God was able to heal the pain and show him a brand new day. Do we have some believers in the house that's ready for a brand new day? Come on. Look, church, you might have had a setback, but it's time to get up anyway. You might have had some persecution, but it's time to get up anyway. People might have left you and talked bad about you all over town, but go ahead and get up anyway. You might have had some disappointment, but it's time to get up anyway. Come on. Say get up. Anyway, come on, singers, come on, musicians. I think we need to take about three minutes and give God some praise before we leave this tabernacle. Somebody ought to give God a shout.